They rush four, drop everybody else, and they still get there. He got the throw off. It's incomplete. And Oklahoma is the Big 12 champion again. Hello and welcome back to the Schooner Pod. I'm your host, Bobby Howard. We are back after a one-week hiatus to talk the end of OU's football season. A lot's happened, so we're going to get right into it. With me today, as usual, my co-host, Ty Lee. Uh, Ty, how are you doing, man? Good. Good to be back. I've been missing the past couple weeks here and there, so... Yeah, and back from a mid-season hiatus, uh, Jameson Maxwell, our our uh, co-host of Maritus. How are you doing, man? I had to get back in time for early signing day. Cruton Corner this episode's going to be dense. Yeah, it's it's intense. You know, we've we've been slacking on the corner. We, you know, we, it's it's been a little cobwebby, but you know, we're glad to have you back to talk some big some Cruton news because you know that a lot's happened. A lot's happened. But before we get started on anything, let's just get right to it. Uh, obviously, a lot's happened. Uh, OU has won another Big Twelve championship, made another playoff, uh, another Heisman appearance for Hertz. But let's just jump right into. Uh, you know, the actual football that happened last. So, another nail-biter against Baylor, but uh, it didn't matter in the end. Oh, you got the win. Uh, what are our first, what are y'all's first kind of, you know, reactions that we've had some time to kind of let let the game sink in, really think about it? I don't know about y'all, but I've kind of forgotten a lot about it because it's so insignificant, these Big 12 championship games. You're like, been there, <laughs> done that, whatever, and we already beat Baylor, but... I, I've been kind of thinking about it, and the Brewer injury, how much did that impact our win? If Brewer would have played the whole game, we would have won by more, we would have won by less, because we were absolutely dominating him in the beginning. Whenever he got up from that head injury and started leaning with it a little bit, that kind of almost changed the game. Yeah, there, um, I forget who what his name was, but the last guy that came in had Zeno. a 78-yard pass and then an 80-something yard touchdown. So I, I think you're right, Jamison. I think that a lot of people have pitched this storyline that Brewer being out helped OU win, but I really don't think that's the case. I mean, on paper, you can say, oh, they went to overtime with their third-string quarterback, and OU beat them by a touchdown, but I don't, think, I don't think that it would have even been close to overtime had Brewer stayed in the game. Yeah, and I don't think it was really... <clears throat> I don't really think it was an issue of personnel. I think it was an issue of play calling. I think Baylor really kind of figured it figured out some plays towards the end. You know, really started going long on us. You know, with those two big plays, it's it's more of um, an understanding that I think we all kind of had about the Grinch defense going into the year that you're going to sell out a lot, but you're going to get burnt sometimes. And we haven't seen OU get burnt too many times. But I think I think there was definitely a bit of a weakness there uh, on the cornerback position at times. Yeah, uh, Zeno definitely looked good that third string quarterback whenever he came in. But those, those were just two plays, and I don't feel like we can say he's some kind of saint after making two big plays. Those are just kind of fluke. Yeah, I, more, more yeah. of it was just this whole season. Whenever. We get up and we feel comfortable. We, we've been blowing it. We're not blowing leads technically, but we're losing our comfortability fast. We haven't coasted through a game where we just felt comfortable, something that's been mainstay with the centers. It's usually we're down big and then we have to fight or 
you know, it's we're destroying them. And it's been a weird mantra this season. I, I don't know. Th- this one felt... I, I know what you're talking about. This one felt different to me. I know we've had an issue putting people away because we start this coast thing. But the atmosphere on the team and on the sideline and everything was not what it has been in the other games where we've coasted. It was uh, it was just a, a tight game. Baylor's a good team that's well-coached. Uh, but it really didn't feel at all like it was as close as it was. Well, also, I don't know how much of it, how, how much of it was coasting and how much of it were, you know, giving up short field uh, a lot. Yeah, know, as those usual, two, another those traditional two turnovers run. inside the, our own 20, like... That, I mean, that, that'll yeah. do it. That, that, that did it to us uh, the first time we played them in Waco. So, you know, that, obviously, I think that's... If you really talk about this team, the biggest issue with OU is those turnovers. Exactly, and, that, and that's exactly what I'm trying to say is that plus I feel like Lincoln's play calling we've seen through min- his years of head coach is whenever he is feeling up like that Georgia game in the Rose Bowl, we kind of get more conservative with our play calls. And I feel like that's probably my biggest point. The thing I've taken away from Baylor is how much of Lincoln's um, – Capability to create an offensive play is handicapped by Jalen Hurts' ability this season. I don't know if our playbook is 100% open with Jalen Hurts as the quarterback because I don't know if he has he can perform all of his passing plays. Yeah, the way we I, yeah. I don't. I don't know if you've been listening, Jameson. This is kind of something that I've been talking about. Is I I don't think that. Hertz can fit into Riley's offense to the fullest extent, like you're saying. And I think we've seen that throughout the season. Um, and I, I said that um, you've probably noticed the same thing, a big shift in the second half of the first time we played Baylor, where all of a sudden we started to call plays that better fit Hertz's strength instead of trying to fit Hertz to a more traditional Riley. So that's, that's why we're very excited for next year. But I, mm-hmm. I agree with you. I don't, I think he's a tremendous quarterback, but I don't think that he is a good fit for the Riley system. So yeah. I, I wouldn't want yeah. to have him more than a year. But you know, for a rebuilding year, we can't uh, we can't really complain as to where we've gotten so far. Yeah, this was just kind of a fun diversion, you know. In the overall scheme of things, OU's been building and building into something, you know different we talked about this a lot last year that the best was yet to come you know there's a lot coming on the way you know with you know with uh, Rattler you know the three uh, receivers and Stogner and all of that hasn't hit yet we, this was this is always going to be a bit of a weird gap year and the fact is we just went through and won another title and you know went back to the playoff but mm-hmm. it's it's interesting to see how this team operates now when with this understood, you know, we, we're going to run the ball, we're going to chew clock. Uh, I think the best version of this team that we've kind of figured out, uh, we saw in, against uh, Oklahoma State and Bedlam. I think that was probably that's if, if you want if you are looking for this OU team and like a performance to point to that's like this team can win a championship. It it's it's if you could take that uh, that Bedlam team in a bottle and make it consistent. You might have a shot against LSU. Mm-hmm, yeah, um, uh, controlling, the, controlling the game definitely is our strength. And whenever we're giving the ball to Kennedy Brooks the most is whenever we're at our best. And that kind of goes with what I was saying with earlier um, about Jalen Hurts and what Ty also agrees with me is 
I feel like Lincoln's game plan cuts off in the second half, and that is the reason why we've been kind of losing steam because it's like there's only so many plays with Lincoln's offense that he can call for Jalen to give Jalen all of his um, to get to give him all of like the reins. And he runs out, and then we're like, okay, we'll go to these basic plays, and then a great defense like Baylor is going to stop us yeah, there. Who was, it, who was it that disagreed with me earlier in the season when I was talking about how we don't run all of our plays? I'm not sure. Like we see, Do you remember we had this discussion about how I was like, no, OU is absolutely saving plays. Oh, like, there always. are plays in the playbook yeah. that we might see against LSU that have been in the playbook since July— that we've never seen because you don't want them on tape. That might, I mean, stuff like that. I don't so we got I've, a big debate. I don't know if it was in the group chat or, or on one of the pods with like Blake or something. It might have been a group chat but or Ford. Someone got in this heated. I think it was Tyler. It was talking about yeah. OU because he was like, "No, they run all their plays. What are you talking about?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah there there are things. There are things that are being kept on the back burner that you know you have to risk saving those sometimes. That is or, by far Lincoln's biggest and worst bump in like in all of his game. Because he cares so much about being meticulous and being efficient that he doesn't live in the present enough, and that's why we, we typically have blown games with him. What I think it's I think it's something people forget too is like he's he's so young he's he's still developing. I mean, there was a long time where he was the youngest coach in you know the level of football that we're at. So he's like he's still developing too, and he's still learning every year, and you're you're seeing it in the play calls and in the development, and it's it's tremendous for. Lincoln's development as a coach to come into this Rattler, this, you know, new defense era with these years of experience with Kyler, with Baker, and now with with Hertz, where he's challenged a little bit more in these defenses. It'll be really cool to see because he's also developing. And that's one of my favorite things this season because we don't have like a main star on the offense. You know, we have like, you know, big flashy stars like CD and stuff, but we don't have a, a Heisman winner on the offense that's breaking records. So it's felt to me like a lot of games have been a lot more coach versus coach. And you've been able to see the game plans really making a difference like the OSU uh, game. And the game plan was completely different than some other games and game plans that we've had. And that's been really cool to see this season just as a fan. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think it clearly has been funneled through Jalen a lot, you know, because if you just look at the stats, However, um, it, it, it is interesting to see. I think I think the change in game plan has happened as the seasons progressed because a lot of our earlier games we it's like yeah just send Jalen. That's what I was saying. Yeah. We we didn't have it to. Didn't so like Lincoln wasn't changing up what he did. It wasn't really working. But we were playing teams that were so terrible that yeah. it didn't really matter. It's it's like he's changed on a less of less of like oh Iowa State does this or OSU does this. Let's change it. It's like kind of sculpting this. You know this mold. Offensively, it's almost like the the defense is there, but they're not even the biggest player. It's just us figuring out ourselves. Yes, it yeah, seems like defensively, exactly. whole different animal. But offensively, with this offense that we have, it seems like it's us just trying to figure out ourselves and beating ourselves. Lincoln is so confident in himself that he, I don't know how much he sculpts his offense to the opposing defense. I know you have to to a certain extent. The majority of it is. He's going to create good plays for his yeah. players, and then he's going to deal with what comes at him throughout the game. I think he mostly does matchups. I, I feel like that's the the vast extent of, um, you know, our game planning for a defense is just figuring out matchups and increases. 
I'll say this about the defense too. How about how about the work we did on Denzel Mims against Baylor? Not mm-hmm. a single catch. Yeah, I thought he was yeah, injured. We, we thought he was trying to figure out where he was the whole game. Yeah. I mean, like that. I mean, that's very impressive. Obviously, great adjustment there from the first game where he got a lot of catches. Um, that's huge. If you can lock been down, impressive. if you can lock down a star like that, that is absolutely huge. I think he did have a slight little leg injury, if I recall, but he was playing through it. So, I yeah. mean, there's still no excuse, even if you are handicapped by a small injury, that you should be getting catches. And yes, also he, their, their second string quarterback was a horrible thrower. And Charlie Brewer, yeah, but he could not get anything off with our pass rush. No, the game plan was so solid at the, yeah. at the start. I'm not really sure why Jet Duffy suited up for Baylor uh, for the second uh, string. Honestly, there, but... Jet, Jet Duffy's in the transfer portal now. Oh, yeah. he, his stock is rising after this <laughs> Texas Tech year. Who he knows? We could run. see him at UNLV just doing really well. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I'm just shooting things out, but I'm... I'm, it's weird. I know everybody says it, and I just have to throw it out there. It's it's just crazy how confident I am when watching the games in our defense, and then our offense goes on the field, and I just get this feeling in my stomach that I just don't trust no, and it's, Jalen Hurts. Yeah, it's, at any it's, time something can go It's awful. weird. No, I don't trust him at all. But it, it's weird because it's like nationally, it's like the the big sportscasters and networks aren't doing their homework, and we're hearing this recycled story about OU's defense. When in reality, the defense is what's kept us from being a, a four-loss team. It, I mean, it we won can, us that Baylor game. Yeah, if we, if we had this offense that we have this year, then the defense that we've had the last three years, we'd have four losses right now. If we had a Heisman, a true Heisman runner-up, I know Jalen just won it, but if we had a guy who deserved the Heisman runner-up, we'd be the number two seed in the nation. You know, like, yeah. we would not be the number four and getting disrespected. It's it's just people that have not done their homework. And like you said, ESPN has been miserable about it. The Gooner Nation's been going hard on Jim Mora, Jonathan Vilma. <laughs> well None deserved. of y'all are safe. And they end completely well-deserved. Nobody's yeah, safe. Well de- for <laughs> once, the Gooners are a force for good. And <laughs> Jim Mora knows it, and I can tell he's heard it before. So he's kind of just saying stuff, and I think he's just poking at people now. Because <laughs> he's got a little smirk in his, like, on the side of his mouth whenever he said a couple things after. And his little, we know the ESPN yeah, segment because they they're dropped, sitting in their recliners and everything. And he dropped a cold <laughs> take, and the next day they said, hey, we got four times the number of clicks on your stuff. What would you say? <laughs> Nobody cared about this yeah. show until uh, you started talking shit. <laughs> it, it's like it's like back in the day with Mark May and Lou Holtz. You know, you would always make sure that one guy said something ridiculous and the other guy was the voice of reason. ESPN says, okay, Mark May, you're going to be the guy on the court session tonight that's just going to say something outrageous. <laughs> and Lou Holtz is going to lose his dentures about it. But everybody's going to watch it even though it's 1130 at night. And poor Reese Davis has to keep it all together while wearing his little judge wig. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's good TV. So. Yeah, yeah, it's... Now, now, do I think Jim Mora actually believes it to a point? I actually do, but I think that they're kind of exacerbating the fact due to the amount of clicks, like you said. Um, yeah. But, I mean, I mean, come on now. Like, dude, the AP All-Americans just came out, and if you think we're the absolute worst, then why do we have two third-team AP All-Americans? I mean, I understand that's not first, second team, and that's not elite, but if we're some kind of worst defense and, like, and we're, we should be embarrassed. We shouldn't even be close to sniffing All-Americans. We have two on the defense. Yeah, which is incredibly impressive. And I think I think we have a bona fide star in Kenneth Murray, too. 
I think he's been very impressive. Yes, he has developed, and we've said for the past year and a half now. Literally the first podcast. Yeah, the that first was one of our first takes. We said, we yeah. said, Kenneth Murray, you've got the athletic ability to be an absolute star. You just got to use your brain. Here's the deal. His biggest issue was coaching. Yeah, he did not really transform his football IQ this season. It's more of the defense has finally sculpted to him. Yeah. You know, like like well, he's getting help. Is what he does well. Yeah, that's yeah. that's really what it is. It's mm-hmm. not the army game where it's like everyone has single digit tackles and then he has thirty. Yeah, no, so. he he rushes in and you know usually creates that first contact and then everyone else helps. Well, and, and we we saw you know in in defensive game planning has been super cool to watch. If you go back and watch uh, a lot of Oklahoma State's offensive plays in Bedlam, you'll see that one of the schemes that we ran on like three quarters of the plays, at least as far as I was watching when I was at the game, um, Murray, one of my friends pointed this out, and then we started to, to watch it and, and keep track of it. Murray ran, they, they put him in a scheme where he basically ran a quarterback contain on Chuba. It was really cool to watch because Chuba would go out and it's like a pass block or something where you, you, know, you can potentially have those delayed handoff things. Mike Gunny's a big fan of those. Um, and he would just sit there, and he would just follow Chuba the whole time. And then obviously once the play you know, developed beyond, oh, he's not going to get it, or he got tied up in another block or something, then Murray would go or drop into coverage and stuff. And then you know that wasn't every play, but he's, a, he's definitely used as a, a tremendous weapon. Yeah, he spied on Brewer too, and I feel like yeah. that's really well because his closing speed is so phenomenal. Yeah, he can go he, from yeah. back there yeah. behind the line to, you know, wait around for a gap and then he's in the backfield just and th- like crazy. And that's his strength where he's gotten problems and we saw this a lot in the TCU game and a little bit in the OSU but a lot in TCU and Iowa State is whenever a lot of the things we argued about with the Mike Stoops defenses he just go and plug a wrong hole where you take the bait. You know, yeah. he, he isn't quite there mentally whenever trying to fill a certain gap and play gap defense. But in speed D, speed D, you don't have to play gap defense as much. You know, you can keep him in the spy and he can run sideline to sideline. Imagine if we had Caleb Kelly healthy at the beginning of the year. We could have had Deshaun White at the mic, put Kenneth Murray over at the rush backer, and imagine what this defense would be like then. Yeah, yeah. That would be cool. scary. Yeah, Kenneth, uh, Kenneth Murray that is just purely like set to kill would be mm-hmm. incredible. Yeah, I think that would be where he'd be the most special. I've been really impressed to have Nick Medina, Nick Benino's done. Yeah, and David Uguaybu. Really yeah. I've loved it. I yeah. mean, Benino's gotten a lot of the main headlines because he, you know, has had great stops and obviously that huge interception against Baylor. But David Oguegbu has really stepped up. Uh, it, it when we really needed him after that injury to uh, uh, John, John Michael, yeah, Terry. John Michael Terry. I almost called him Joe John Terry, but that's <laughs> totally wrong. Again, last name Pod. Uh, but do that in the Ed O voice, jo- 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 Joe John, Joe jo- John Terry. Don't go down with injury. <laughs> oh God, it's weird that we're playing Coach O after all these. I, I've always liked him. I don't. I wish we had Les Miles. So or like at. Uh, well, obviously, because he's not a great coach. But I wish we were. Pl- <laughs> I wish we were playing against Les Miles because it'd be easier easier to hate him. It's hard to hate LSU with Coach O. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we'll hop into that. Yeah, dude, let's do some. Let's yeah, wrap yeah. up this Baylor talk. Uh, yeah, let's do some game for, for a like half month old game. But yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, let's just. I mean, that was obviously tough game. You know, we really kind of like 
wrapping up that season um, kind of towards the end. But uh, yeah, let's. I'll, I'll just go quick with my game ball. So yeah, game offensively, um, I, it's got to go to CD. He didn't get a touchdown, but you know, all season he got cheated with the awards. Uh, but he had some tremendous catches. Defensively, uh, again, I'm going to go with the easy one. I'm going to go with with Murray. Um, sort of a whole season award, and then take a lap. Uh, the Baylor people from the box, you know who you are. Uh, Jameson? I really... Okay, I'll just start on defense. Like we said earlier, I really liked how Uguebu played on the edge. He made a lot of big-time plays, and the, and the commentators on um, the television called him out and said, wow, Uguebu having the game of his life. I was like, yes! That's my boy! That's my boy. And he he's beefed up, and he came in to... Uh, the college, pretty skinny, linky guy. This dude, he looks like a monster. This guy's going to be a great rush backer. And we got ben- Benito is only a redshirt freshman. You know, we got like these guys. He's a redshirt freshman. Yeah. Uh, he's tw- 2018 class. Um, we've got, and John Michael Terry's coming back next year off ACL too. So we've got we've got a thick class uh, on rush. So I'm giving mine to John Michael Terry. Uh, honorable <laughs> mention to Parnell Motley. Uh, I've always been a fan of Parnell Motley, and I've been really happy for him this year. On offense... I mean, I, there's not really much to give except for, like you said, C.D. Lamb. That one run, I mean, that one catch that he had where he broke like five tackles. That was why he won the Player of the Game by far. Um, yeah, I guess. Well, yeah, take a lap, take oh. a lap, take <laughs> a lap to <laughs> the laps. This, uh, this is yeah. open to anything, anyone. So yeah, anything, can, anyone. Go feel for free it. to elaborate. Yeah. Take a lap to the halftime con. Like when, I, when people went to the halftime, all the ESPN people saying, "Yeah, OU's defense." I think it was. Uh, Mark Sanchez. Mark Sanchez was saying our defense was playing bad. And I was like, are you kidding me? The only completion that they got was a duck that they threw up in the air. And their quarterback, their second-string quarterback, is not doing well. Their only scores were from when they started inside the twenty. So, yeah. Otherwise, they were just going three Especially at that point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so who? Okay. Actually, I'm going to change this. ESPN take a lap. Like, who would hire Mark Sanchez? <laughs> that's that's tough. And, you know, also, why Mark Sanchez agree to work for a company that showed the butt fumble for over a year on the <laughs> on the not top ten? That's just, I mean, that's just like kind of sad. He's got to take it down from the inside. Exactly. <laughs> he's trying to get his. Revenge. That's what he's doing. He's trying to take them down from the inside with the shitty takes. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Jameson just blew his cover. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> Okay, let's go off. Uh, I'm going to go with my game balls. Offensive, I'm just going to go with, uh, I think Kennedy Brooks did a very good job, as well as uh, Ramondre Stevenson in great minutes. So I'm going to give uh, the tandem backs. Uh, he got cheated. He, Stevenson he got cheated. He did. He did. Touchdown, he, yeah. He, what, did he, um, was it, did Stevenson have the overtime touchdown? Yes. He did have that, though. Yeah. So okay, he, yeah. The juggernaut put the final stake in the heart there. Uh, defensively, I talked about Motley a lot. <laughs> Uh, and I was kind of waiting for... I, I didn't know if anyone was going to give. Um, I actually was going to go with Motley for my game ball, but nobody went with the guy who I was going... who I thought would be taken by now. Uh, give me Trey Brown for that, uh, honestly, se- season-saving tackle. You've all, seen the, you've all seen the stats on his speed, 23 miles an hour from, you know, from the back. That was incredible. Just great effort from Trey Brown. So I'm going to give the defensive game ball to him. Uh, we, we talk about and have given game balls to guys who make that crucial play to end the game or to kind of wrap the game up. That was that moment for us. And, you know, big, big shout out to that effort-based defense. 
Um, that overtime now. defensive drive was so much fun. It was awesome. It was uh, so quick. Like the excitement was just building every single play. Yeah. Borderline violent. <laughs> yeah, oh, it was wild. It was wild. It was so much fun. And yeah. I'll say this about Trey Brown before we forget and move on. Trey Brown really needed a play like that. He has been struggling really poorly the past couple games. And Jane Davis is kind of his freshman high has worn off. I mean, it, what do you expect from a 5'9 true freshman coming yeah. In to, yeah. into these big games? It's it's going to be hard to stay consistent. But Trey Brown needed some confidence. He's an athlete. He's a good player. But something isn't clicking upstairs. He's had a lot of bad penalties. Hopefully he uses this confidence and moves on and uses it in the LSU game where they've got three absolutely stellar wide receivers that he's going to need to be on his A game for. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Now for a quick word from a few of our sponsors. Hey, I'm Coach O. I just love my Hummer. I believe the Hummer is the best vehicle on the road. Big, tough, aggressive, and it represents everything that we want at Ole Miss. I have my Hummer. You need a Hummer. Tell them about it, JoJo. Mississippi, they are here. The new Rogers Dabs H3 Hummers are here. The folks at Rogers Dabs Hummer are first-team players. Come see them. Rogers Dabs and Hummer like nothing else. New age three starting at just 32,000. Love it. <laughs> hey, everyone. Before we get started, I just want to talk about our sponsor, Anchor. Anchor simply is the perfect place to go if you're trying to start a podcast. First off, free. That's great. But there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Super easy to use, super intuitive. Uh, and then once you have that edited, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places uh, where you listen to podcasts. And when they're distributed, you can start making money from your podcast right away. No minimum listenership. Start getting that anchor money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one spot. So what are you waiting for? Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm right now to get started. Now, the Schooner Pod. All right. Well, that's our wrap-up here for, uh, for the season. Let's move on. And uh, take, a, take a little trip to a place we haven't been for a cool minute. Jameson, uh, welcome back to Cruden Corner. Let's, let's see what you got. Uh, national, or early signing day, which is basically now National Signing Day, uh, is the 19th. And uh, pretty big news uh, across the board. So tell us what we uh, have to expect uh, to see on the 19th. Okay, there's so much to this that I cannot cover, but I will go very quickly from what's happened since I've last talked. So we've gotten a couple new commits, and if y'all have not noticed, one of them was Reggie Grimes, very highly rated four-star D-end um, out of Tennessee. Uh, there is a point where we didn't know if we were going to get him because uh, Thibodeau didn't know if he wanted him, and that was very odd, but um, Grinch said, no, we're taking this guy. He's an extreme athlete. He's got speed extreme potential we've got to take him he's going to be a great fit into our defense on the edge um probably hand in the dirt d end we've also got marvin mims wide receiver from frisco texas he just set the uh texas state record for receiving yards uh past shipley's record so that's awesome to hear um definitely good in a class that is really hard to recruit wide receivers after last year's class um, a lot of the big name guys don't want to come because of how crowded our wide receiver room is going to be next year. Um, we got so we had a decommitment from Edger and Cooper, uh, linebacker from LSU. 
His stock has been rising higher and higher, but he got an LSU offer, and as soon as that happened, we didn't, could not trust that he would stay with us, and we pretty much had to let him go and pick up Shane Witter from North Carolina. He is an absolute speedster of an inside linebacker, some guy with high potential, not as highly rated, but a guy that Grinch liked, and a lot of people saying that he could be kind of a sleeper um, whenever he gets there. Um just moving forward today, actually, as of Monday, we just got uh, a JUCO defensive tackle, the number two JUCO de- defensive tackle in the nation, uh, to commit to us, Joshua Ellison, out of Blaine College, uh, Texas A&M's little brother. This is the second time we've down- went down to Texas A&M County and taken a recruit. Uh, and now we have the two top defensive tackles out of JUCO in the nation, which is extremely huge whenever we're losing Neville Gallimore, Q, Dylan Fumatau next year. We're gonna not going to have a single nose guard pretty much, except for Jordan Kelly. Um, so we really need that. I think the Juco thing helps a lot because these guys are seasoned. You know, they're more, uh, physically more mature, and they're kind of ready to go right, right away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of, of hearing us sign Juco stars. Yeah, Perry and Winfrey, the number one overall player in <clears throat> Juco is committed to us, who's a D-tackle. And people say this guy is something special. Um, he is an NFL-caliber Juco. A lot of the times, these Juco players will just kind of fit a role and kind of get you by. You won't get a lot of stars from Juco players. People are saying Perry and Winfrey can be pretty special. Uh, looking at just targets that we've had, um, a couple of the eyeballs that we had, um, Justin Harrington, a DB out of Bakersfield, six foot three cornerback. He's got speed. Um, we, he has, um, visited a couple of weeks ago and an eyeball went out that weekend, what we assumed to be him. He just took an official visit to Oklahoma state and it's kind of down in between us and OSU. I feel pretty confident we'll close that one. And he is another top 10 player in the nation when it comes down to Juco. So that is also really good for us moving forward, um, to get more guys that are more tall, speedy, whenever all of our cornerbacks are five foot 11 and below. Um, so another guy to um, add some of Coach Grinch's touch to our defense. Because Coach Grinch, got to give it to up to him this year, he is coaching with recruited guys from the Mike Stoops era that is not what he wants in his defense. And he made this transformation from the last in the nation in pass coverage down to a top 30 defense. Yeah, yeah. which is With remarkable. the same personnel. With kind yeah. of a box of scraps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No no offense to the guys we have in already. But. We, we, they're highly rated, but he wants guys that are tall. He wants guys that are fast. We don't have any of that in our secondary. We Ooh, have speed. fast. Yeah, but we have speed. But the thing is, Trey Brown, he's got straight line speed, but he's been getting kind of behind when it comes down to quickness. We need guys that are smart and disciplined mm-hmm. as well. And and that's Buki that's for you. But yeah. The problem is Buki is well, so small. In addition to the height. Yes, exactly. <laughs> height and speed, smart mm-hmm. and discipline. Those yes. four traits. Yeah. you got you got to get all of, all of the above. Yes. I, is Buki disciplined? He, uh, there's been a lot of plays that I've been impressed with that he'll sniff it out beforehand and he'll absolutely cut it off. Here's his problem, though. He likes diving in with a shoulder and he's what, like... It's five foot nine, one eighty. He does being the, generous, What's the you know? what's the Simpsons character where there's the meme of him diving through the window? Yes, that's that's like, <laughs> he sees he sees what he thinks is the play and he's like, all right, and then just does his like head down like dive flop thing. Yeah, he just goes in for the kill. So sometimes it's great and sometimes it's mm-hmm. yeah. That's so definitely getting in some DBs 
Uh, last time, I mean, not last time, but earlier whenever I talked about recruiting corner, I, I thought that our DB recruiting class is going to be our best class that we didn't even have to worry about. But now that it gets closer, things are getting a little shaky. We want three more defensive backs. Now, assuming Harrington is one of those commits, we'd want two more. Dante Manning, our favorite guy, probably the third best cornerback in the nation. Things are just being a little shaky with him after he's decommitted. He's starting to lean more towards Oregon. Uh, Crystal Balls and 247 have an A&M, but I, I, that's not really where um, he's been leaning towards. A&M, the visit that he took down there is what convinced him to decommit from OU, and ever since then... It's just been, there's like something that he does not want to come to the Big 12, doesn't want to come to OU. Communication's been odd. Things have been awkward. So the hope for Dante Manning is really fizzling. Um, he just had an in-home visit with our whole staff pretty much. And after that, Roy Manning sent out some really cryptic tweet where it's like uh, pretty much saying like we wasted our time. So Yikes. So that sucks. I mean... I, I wish I could use his subtweet in a different positive nature, but it didn't look good. So now it's coming down to uh, filling those two other spots. Who we'd prefer to fill would be Kendall Dennis, who's Lakeland, Florida. I haven't talked about him yet. He is one of the best guys when it comes down to turnovers in the nation. If people, a lot of the scouting experts that look at him say that he's got the best ball skills, he is very, very intelligent. Six foot, he's fast. Um, it was underrated throughout his recruitment and has picked up steam recently. He just got a Clemson offer, and everyone was saying, oh, whenever he gets this Clemson offer, he's gone to Clemson. But one thing led to another, and a random eyeball popped up last week, and that we think to be Kendall Dennis. Uh, his family really liked it at OU, and I think he might be signing with us come early signing day. Um, we would really like to have Josh Eaton. Josh Eaton's from... Uh, Houston area. Uh, he's six foot two. He's got speed. It's exactly what you want in a cornerback. He's a former Texas decommit, but he has been absolutely fickle this whole process. And we really wish that we could kind of just say, "Hey, you got to do this. We're pushing you because there's other people wanting that spot." But the problem is we don't have uh, pretty much upper hand on him at all. He wants to wait till February, not do this early signing day. He just got an offer from Georgia, and he wants to take an official visits to Georgia and Alabama and USC. But um, allegedly, he was already told that he um, his parents told Lincoln that he was going to sign early. And Lincoln, I mean, I don't know if y'all get this vibe, but from what I read, if Lincoln's a straight shooter and he doesn't do what he says he does, I think we just leave him, even though he would be a great player for us. Um, so we're really hoping yeah. Dante. I mean, uh, Josh Eaton signs early for us, but if not, too bad. That shows something upon your character, and we like high character guys yeah. at Oklahoma. I, I and I would hope so because Lincoln is, as a head coach, still very very young in in the realm of of recruiting. Like he's people that were a freshman in high school when he first started recruiting are still in high school. That's true. So, he, like he, we're still out there building a reputation as a university with him at the helm when it comes to recruiting these guys. And, and you know, the, the kids that know that they're going to be big D1 recruits, you know, generally know from you know, a very early age. And they're aware of those things, whether, whether they're conscious of it or not. They're aware of those things and they're aware of, hey, I can, you know, go here and 
and this is a school that's really dedicated to me if I'm really dedicated to them. But also, if we don't, you know, establish those boundaries, then those kids that just want to, I don't want to say abuse the system, but, you know, use us for a free visit and, and just the, you know, having fun going and visiting and stringing us along and, and playing around with us, that can also, like, people will start to see that as well. So, yeah. Your I, word means something both yeah, ways. Like, like Jameson's saying, I, I hope that, that we... Uh, you know, it's it's unfortunate to lose one guy, but it can be a you know a snowball effect. Yeah, I mean, your word, like I was saying, um, your word means something. You know, both ways that goes with you know making an offer and then pulling it, or you know being flaky, yeah. or it means you know you know not being desperate and saying this in, is the last yeah. time. And, in know. terms of recruiting, it's it's huge. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. you have to be taken seriously, and that's uh, that is something I guess you do have to establish as a young coach. Yeah, on, on the other side, talking about your word and everything, Josh Josh Eaton's kind of stringing us along. Um, but on the other side of it, if y'all remember, Major Burns was a big defensive back that we um, were wanting to get, and he ended up committing to LSU. But the SEC does a little bit different when it comes down to recruiting. They take a lot more guys that they want, and then they kind of push guys out um, near the end if they don't truly want them. And Major Burns just decommitted from LSU because LSU pretty much told them to get out of here. We don't want you. We can get somebody better. <laughs> Scram. And, and, get out of here. And it screws <laughs> over these recruits because they commit because they had this back and forth, you know, like, hey, we want you. You want me. We're good. And they completely shut off their recruiting like they're expected to do. And now here at the end uh, – they, they decommit, and now all these other teams have minimal spots, and it's hard for him to get in. Um, he's not anywhere it needs to be. Um, and LSU did that with another old um, target of ours, Alec Bryant, a defensive lineman. We're not going after him anymore. But now he's he's a, he's a, he's a high-end – he's like he's a pretty good four-star recruit going to LSU. He's feeling good. They just ditched him a couple weeks ago, and now he's going to have to go to, like, Virginia Tech. Yeah, see, I, so I wasn't even aware of this happening – but now I'm just visualizing Matt Brown just wondering. That's his entire recruiting strategy is just scraps. Just going around to all these schools and just filling out North Carolina. Like, you guys don't even have to go to class. Like, Honestly, though, it's like 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 Ty was mentioning like some of these recruits maybe using other schools Dude, to get that's free gotta stuff. Be, that's got to be what Lane Kiffin's doing right now for Ole Miss. Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. A thousand percent. He's going around looking he's for He's immediately committing yeah. crimes. There's... <laughs> He's been he's been he's been on the job for a week. There's at least two violations he's done, no doubt. But like, well, how we're mentioning that you know kids might be you know using schools for free visits. I think Coach O is just using these recruits for free gumbos, just visiting their house, eating their food, and then you know giving them an offer, but then pulling it so he can use that offer to get more gumbo. It's all it's all part of an elaborate ruse. Did anyone else get a little tear in their eye whenever you saw Coach O get a tear in his eye watching Joe Burrow? Yeah. I, yeah. I, that's I, I that's like always him. great to see. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. Honestly, though. I, I give Coach O a hard time. but He's a, a tremendous guy. Yeah. Yeah. He really cares about his players. Yeah. He, he really does. He's really a player's coach, and it's something you love to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, no. I, I, it, it, take, it, takes, it takes a lot to make a true football guy kind of kind of tear up <laughs> like that. Um, yeah. So wrapping it up, really, um, I've kind of covered a lot of this, the problems that are going on right now. Uh, the biggest target on our board that we're waiting for is Alfred Collins, who's a defensive lineman, defensive tackle. It's between us and Texas. Um, he's signing late. He's signing in February. 
but he's going to have a spot in our class no matter what we do. We're just going to conduct our business and we'll make a spot for him if he's there or not. But this guy is could be a difference maker for us. He could be a true freshman starter. He is definitely a guy to keep an eye on for Sooner fans. He's very quiet. Um, he just gets his job done. And you would think that he would enjoy Norman rather than Austin, if that's kind of his deal. Um, and then lastly, the kind of fun one to talk about is Chandler Morris, the son of Chad Morris, uh, over now at Auburn. Uh, he was at Arkansas, got fired, and so Chandler Morris was an Arkansas commit, and uh, now he... Uh, I just got sidetracked. Where are you? Oh, sorry. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm going to show you all the uh, cover art for the Peach Bowl preview that I made oh, earlier. Oh, nice. <laughs> oh, just wait for this, everybody. I love oh, it. yeah. It's going to be good. Okay. It's, not, yeah. it's not for this pod, but it's, it's for the next one. Anyway, sorry to but, sidetrack. Yeah, Chandler Morris, quarterback. We didn't think we were going to be able to take a quarterback this class, but he's considering us. We'll take him if he wants to come. He's probably not going to play. But it would be really nice to have a quarterback in this class because if we don't take one and Tanner Mordecai gets mad and transfers after Spencer Rattler beats him, who do we have in our quarterback room that would be the backup? Say if some catastrophe oh, happens. Connor is gone, too. <laughs> Connor is gone, yes. Oh, so no. <laughs> here comes Tanner Schaefer into the game as our backup quarterback. If we do not sign someone this year, who comes Kate Horton? We would pick, we would, a transfer would come out of nowhere, like... <laughs> Who, like Trevor Lawrence, people have talked. People have talked a lot about the uh, Jordan Love at Utah State. I don't. He declared for the draft. Oh, he did. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's new. So uh, <laughs> I, I think we'd be fine. Uh, is he playing in the ball game? That's uh, important for my bull pick. That that is a question I do not know. Oh darn. <laughs> okay, we'll get to that later. Sorry, James. But yeah, uh, transfer wise, might take one. It'd be smart, but I'm sure we could kind of scoot by without um, getting a quarterback this class, but we'd happily take Chandler Morris. He's a Highland Park kid. Tate Martell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, give me Tatham. <laughs> um, we really just need a guy who's very content with being a backup, and after Tate Martell's <laughs> odyssey through uh, attempting to be a he's starting QB. He's never leaving Miami, though. No. Nah. He's, he's just too... He fits too well at Miami. Nah, he's just going to... I mean, he might never leave. He's just yeah. going to... No. He'll, he'll just buy a couple strip joints or something with... You know, the Manny Diaz money. Who knows? I can see him Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss. How about yeah, that? Oh. <laughs> that is, that is, that's a pair we need. Tate Martell oh, and, and Lane uh, the, down in Oxford. That would last about six months before the FBI just came in. It wouldn't even be NCAA violations. They would Lane, Lane has a, like a, like he has a history of taking problem chi- children. He's been last chance. He is a problem two. child. <laughs> he relates to them. He himself is a problem child. He took, he, you like, said it like he's turning them around instead of just finding <laughs> friends. <laughs> Honestly, though, I, it, it's kind of funny how Florida Atlantic has become last chance you for head coaches. With the Willie Taggart? Absolutely. Oh, oh my yeah. God. Maybe yeah. I can get Charlie Strong. Oh, yeah. That, well, yeah, where's Charlie Strong going to go? Uh, he shouldn't go anywhere. <laughs> I'm just... <laughs> oh, oh, ew, ew. I cannot <laughs> express how mad I am at South Florida for firing Charlie Strong <laughs> one year before they go to Austin to play Texas. A Charlie Strong up, Charlie Strong led Florida, uh, South Florida team beating Texas in Austin would be the greatest thing of all time. And we don't even get that chance now. That's sad. 
Sorry, I just can't get by the Cowboys and Charlie Strong. <laughs> you never know what Jerry... Jerry Jones would hire Tony Romo if Romo asked. Well? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd hire Witten. You want to be the head coach, uh, though? All, uh, all right, guys. Just tra- could be a head coach and tight end. Head coach player. Head coach player. Uh, all Man. of these... I, I hope I hope Blake listens to all of the, all of this podcast and hears it all. Cause, or the players would just convince him to have some sort of committee on the sideline. <laughs> so the unionized player play-calling committee. Oh, my God. I'm just thinking about how uninspiring Jason Witten would be as a coach. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. After, after hearing him on Monday Night Football, definitely. See, I mean, see what the Cowboys just did. Getting off now we're talking about NFL. I mean, Jason Garrett's clapping did something well for them, and they just demolished the Rams. Uh, so, okay, I will say this about this. Lincoln Riley getting thrown out as Dallas Cowboys coach. He's the odds-on favorite to be next Dallas Cowboys coach. Quit it. This dude, this dude pretty much, whenever he got asked at the Peach Bowl press conference, was just like, no. This dude is so tired of it. He does not want to hear it anymore. Why go somewhere whenever you're the boss to be the employee of a problem child boss? And then get all of the blame for everything. Now, he is just fine at OU. If you're a person listening to this pod, I'm pretty sure you don't buy into this Dallas Cowboys talk anyways. Yeah. Just just stay at OU and keep making Mm -hmm. money until you're you're just tired of making $6 million a year. Mm -hmm. $6 million plus, I guess. Yeah. If he keeps winning, but... Yeah, that's it for Curtin Corner. Uh, (laughs) It's going to be a big week coming up. And hopefully everything goes swimmingly. Uh, I would love to see Dante Manning. That would make your surprise recruit commit. But don't count on it, Sooner fans. But I guess moving on to LSU talk, just a little bit of a preview before we talk about it on our next pod. Just a couple things to look at. I was talking to Bobby a little bit about this whenever we were watching um, the, the the playoff committee show. How fortunate are we that LSU hopped Ohio State? It's not because of playing LSU, I'd rather play LSU than Ohio State, blah, blah, blah. We don't have to play LSU in New Orleans. If we win, I know that's a big if, if we won this game versus Ohio State and had to play LSU in New Orleans, that would have been an absolute disaster. So if we're going to play LSU, let's get them over with now. I understand it's still SEC country, but Atlanta's got straight shots from OKC Airport. I mean, this will still have a good amount of fans there. It might probably be 65-35, but that won't be bad. And not only that, it won't be all the way LSU like New Orleans is. Well, the national championship in New Orleans wouldn't be. Oh, it would be. I've heard horror stories from 2003, you know, people going down there and just how... Just the entire atmosphere. In the stadium? Yeah. Yes. There's yes. no way the ticket scales would get that skewed. Now, surprised. with the way they're on the computers and stuff and... The allotments. I don't think oh, it would be so. as bad. I agree with you there, but it would be definitely a bigger majority in New Orleans than it would be yeah. in Atlanta. And these horror stories are true. It's like they take license plates, all Oklahoma license plates off cars, cussing out little kids. One thing Screaming I am going to miss, babies. not playing Georgia, I did enjoy the Georgia fan that barked at me at the Rose Bowl. I thought that was really funny. <laughs> <laughs> the dogs are barking. <laughs> I, was, I was like, a grown fat man, he's here with the Coors Light in his hand, just barked at me. I, I, I like this, I like this. But LSU fans are just assholes. Yeah, like, no, 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 like, that's good natured when you bark, but, like, if you're cursing out, like, kids, and I've heard, like, just screaming at babies, that's evil. That's just, it's, it's gross. There's no laws in New Orleans. <laughs> There's no laws with LSU fans. They combine, it is 
horrible. These LSU fans live in it. They 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 grew up in this lawless land. They, know, <laughs> <laughs> they, they were just they were just. I've don't... never seen a more wretched hive of scum and villain. Exactly. There, like there's no there's one thing. Whenever you're down in New Orleans, these cops sit there on horses on Bourbon Street. They don't even bat an eye at anything. No. Like there'll there'll be like a fight going on in the corner, and there'll be someone passed out in the trash bags. <laughs> Like these cop, cops are just sitting there, like just gotta get my clock in, you know. Like yeah, they're, they're just here to get paid. They're, 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 they aren't trying to break anything up because they, I don't know. Because not only that, they're outnumbered. Some random drugs will probably mob them if they try to do anything. You never so know. So, Sooner fans, be thankful that even though the odds on, so if we would have played Clemson, I think it would have been like a, a eight point line, and if we would have played Ohio State, I think it would have been eight and a half, or it might have been slip um, switch like that. We're twelve versus LSU. Be thankful that this is the team we're playing in the semis and not Ohio State because the scenario of playing LSU in the Sugar Bowl would be absolutely miserable. And as an OU fan, through the past 20 years, I am absolutely sick of playing teams in the national championship on their home turf. It's been ridiculous. With the Orange Bowl, with Florida, um, LSU, Sugar Bowl... Uh, was it was it USC? Did we USC we, was in uh, Miami, so we didn't uh, have that one. That we wasn't just, that. But it's just been unlucky. Well, honestly. we have we also had Clemson Orange yes. Bowl, Alabama yes. Orange Bowl. Like, I mean, those are different, but still, I I, I just can we please get a national championship at Jerry World? In Dallas, just, yeah. that would be so nice. Just be able to drive three hours to a national title, no issues. Stay at a friend's house. You don't Maybe have to worry in, about in hotels. Kansas City, even. Oh, well, that would be a disaster. It'd be so cold. What do you think? This is what? Like basketball? Like, <laughs> I think can't know. Put a roof over Arrowhead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. And I, I'll, I'll say this, too. I actually, I, I know. I think we should start. I think college football should start having outdoor winter national championships. Oh, God. Just Didn't as they... a handicap to the SEC. Just, just every every, every some odd years, every, just, yeah, they're just in Lambo randomly. Yeah. Give more people people something to whine about. No, no, I'm tired of hearing. Oh, but if it wasn't like this, then we would. No, no, I don't want any more excuses. You know, so this is a weird. I'm not going to dive too deep into this weird tangent. I don't know how this just came to me, but you guys ever noticed that Clemson? Well, you guys have noticed that Clemson has been really good these past couple of years. That's not. New City. Really? It seems like they haven't really picked up any bandwagon fans. Do you, you guys know any Clemson bandwagon? Everyone that I know that's a Clemson fan, like, and granted, I lived in North Carolina for a, a good part of this, but like, they were all just Clemson fans before, and they're all just really happy that they're doing good. I don't know a single person that just like picked up on Clemson because they started being good. Like, because assholes are bandwagoners, <laughs> and Clemson fans are not assholes. Well, like, not, not yeah. only that, but it's like super easy. It's way easier to just go with Alabama, who had been winning before. Mm-hmm. Now, it's just, so you think that all the college football bandwagon fans are just already taken by Ohio State and Bama? Well, here's the deal. Dabo is such a good guy, but the assholes that want to be bandwagoners, they're like, oh, I don't want to cheer for that guy. <laughs> like, you know, this Tom Herman guy, though. <laughs> I like the cut of his jib. <laughs> they're barely making a bowl game, but I like this guy. <laughs> they're back, baby. See, whenever I went to OU Clemson in the semis, I met the nicest Clemson fans. I had such a great experience. Well, it's a private school. And there was, it was a nice lady with her nephew, and she had a nice cooler around her. And we, we didn't know this was a tailgating experience where everyone had stuff set out. We thought we'd just buy a couple beers there. 
She gave us some beer. She offered us some cigarettes. (laughs) (laughs) She was the nicest lady. We just sat down on a bench and talked to her for a little while, drank some Miller Lite with her. See, that was a great experience. Georgia, I got barked at. But that's okay. See, see, that was a fun experience. I was was at the Rose Bowl. It was a great... um, I had had beer in my hand, so I was happy. Yeah. But, yeah, barking was fun. I'll say this. Even Alabama was kind of nice when we saw them last year. Like, I talked to a nice old guy. They're just kind of happy to be... they, They didn't care. They weren't stressed out. They left the game and like, yeah, it was a good game. Just walked out. Clemson people are nice people. And the bandwagoners are not going to go to them because they are not flashy enough. That's true. That's true. I, they also are known for handing out $2 bills with a little paw print on them. So if we play them again, that's my mission. God, that's so lame. <laughs> we, we, it's last, actually a felony. Yeah, <laughs> last, believe it or not. <laughs> shout out to last year's uh, Traditions Podcast. committing felonies. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Um, but I will say this, not just from a cultural standpoint, I think we match up better with... LSU than Ohio State. I think Ohio State is a more well-rounded team on defense. Uh, I think the only reason, and I'm not going to go full goonery with being like, we have a way better defense, but I think that the any idea that LSU's defense is some elite force is just because of the name on their jersey. It's recycled narrative. It's recycled it's like the OC defense. If yeah. anybody watched the Ole Miss game, they know. Like, this, yeah. Isn't, yeah. this isn't the same team. I understand they have Grant Delpit. You know, like oh, big time name. Uh, they've had their DBU, but like, come on! Whenever you have a high powered offense, your defense is going to give up more, and it's as simple as that. And they have a really good spread offense where they score a bunch of points, makes your defense more tired. Therefore, your stats on your defense don't look as good. That is the Big Twelve effect, and now it is tainting LSU. And that's why I am more optimistic as well. And I'm joining some of the Gooner side about the optimism towards this game. Um, that it's going to be closer because this is a different type of team that we've played in playoffs in the past years. This isn't a traditional team. This is a team that we have been used to play with um, throughout all Big 12 games. It's high-powered offenses with a defense that is susceptible. Yeah. And I think that's what we need to play because this year we actually have a defense that is competent. And we have an offense that would definitely do well with having a little bit of a handicapped defense. Yeah. And it's not like last year where we played Alabama who had a fantastic offense and a great defense with Quinn and Williams, LSU doesn't have that type of defensive strength that Alabama did last it's year. It's a good defense and a fantastic offense. Yeah. Alabama was fantastic both sides, like you said. Exactly. So We I, have a something to go well, after. We're playing someone that we have a common regular season opponent against mm-hmm. as well. So, granted, there were some injuries in there with, with Texas compared to you know the team that OU played and the team that LSU played, but... You know, we performed fairly similarly against that team. So yeah. it's I'll say it was really a, interesting. It was probably a better Texas team with its injuries and a slightly less good LSU team that hadn't found its stride yet. Um, yeah. But I, I, I would agree. I think that, I mean, just look at the personnel. I don't think the gap is as wide as people are saying it is. And, you know, especially defensively, LSU has a lot of issues with running quarterbacks. That uh, Ole Miss QB really tore him up a lot from what I've seen and you know some highlights and stuff. So I think ultimately, you know, we'll, we'll dive way deeper into this uh, with our Peach Bowl preview. But ultimately, I I'm not hitting the panic button just yet. I'm not giving. I'm not saying OU's done, but I think we. I think I think of our matchups. This is probably the one we 
it's probably the second best matchup we've had. Uh, other, it's the second best matchup overall that we've had in a playoff. First being Georgia. Uh, I don't know. What's your take on that? Yeah, um, I don't know. I I think matchup wise, this is our best matchup. But the problem was the Georgia team, our OU team, was way better than we are now. So yes, we had a better chance to win that game. I think that this game will be close. I really am going to enjoy it. Um, but just not saying too much to save it for the pod. Next week, we say it all the time. Speed D says it all the time. The team that wins the turnover battle will win this game. Yeah. Don't say that. Cause that's <laughs> not, I, yeah, I know. Have, yeah, have we, we've won turnovers twice this season. Exactly. And Maybe. that's why I'm saying it. If we win the turnover battle, we will win this game. And that's going to be tough for Joe Burrow. Red River and Bedlam, I think those are the yeah. only games we've... No, we didn't. We did not win the turnover battle in Red River yeah, at all. Yeah, we didn't. No. Yeah, uh, Hertz had that really bad fumble, and then he threw that just inexcusable yeah, across his body yeah. pick. He's done that multiple times this year, Boy, and I cannot <sighs> get over it. Okay, it he, might be more than two, uh, but it's less than half of games it, this season. Yeah, easily because we had a, we had a stretch hyperbole. Well, we had a stretch like, for six like games. North Dakota or somebody. So, like, we didn't lose the turnover battle there. Yeah, Buki like, had that pick, but... It was the stretch six games where we didn't have a turnover. Like, it was something absolutely ridiculous. Um, it's and yeah. Well, it's these, when we started playing good teams. Well, yeah, Baylor was... <laughs> well, Baylor was when it, like, it it, it switched. It was it was the Baylor um, uh, kind of scoop and, you know, run, and then the Benito interception mm-hmm. broke that game open. And then it was just a series of game-ending interceptions by... Uh, you know, by Motley against Ohio, Iowa State, and then you know, just we go down the line. The yeah, it, it, it was more about getting turnovers at the right time. But the biggest thing is just you can't the, the margin for error against LSU is so small. We'll get into it uh, next week, but um, yeah. So that's that's I think that's our our pod for the most part. You know, try to withhold as much information as possible. But we got a big Peach Bowl preview coming. We're gonna go more in depth in. You know, into the matchups than we usually do. Yeah, because yeah, no bowl pick'em, and of course the big bowl pick'em pod. It's coming. There'll be a lot of our personalities on there. Just a mosh pit. No idea how many. It and could be three. Could be four. Could be five. We'll see. And two-time reigning champ, bowl pick'em, yours truly. Oh. I'll be back. Yeah. Okay. Go yeah. Texas. <laughs> Beat Georgia. Are you okay? Just okay. Put, put, time out. Time out. Time out. Time out. I just want to, to caveat this with my own personal excuse always. Jameson and I were tied in the bowl pick'em going into like the last like ten games or something, and I didn't know that you could edit games like prior to them being played, but after all bowl games had started. So Jameson went in and changed picks and I was like, I don't know about some of these, but I guess I have to ride with them because I can't change them. And then I, I ended up getting stayed. You were oh, yeah. trash. No, I wasn't. <laughs> you, you were trash I was for doing, a while. I was doing very good. You were trash for a while. I remember it was down to me, Jameson, and I was not trash Brian, I think. I was doing very good. Yeah. I was top half. I remember the first okay. year I had to fight against the random Clemson fan that, <laughs> that snuck in and <laughs> got the password. Well, well, the, it's because the password, I'm pretty sure, was in the description. That's right. It was. It was. <laughs> it was. So... so Win $25. Password, boomer. (laughs) This dude probably came around and go, dang, okay. Yeah. This year, I'm not giving away free monies. Uh, $5 $5 entry fee. 
Uh, if you listen to the pa- uh, the password is from the number four and Heisman. Uh, so uh, D- DM DM the at state of-, of all the cold ass takes from the preseason pod, we're gonna stick to oh, that one. God, I'm, yes, of course we are. I've had nightmares. that wasn't even that, that was, was not, bad from the get go. By far, that was not even close to the uh, coldest take from. That what was the coldest take? Oh, I had so many. I had I've had like times where I'm sitting in bed and can't sleep, and I'll be like, "Didn't I say Texas Tech was hitting the over in the preseason?" Yeah, I think I did. Oh, I think I might have considered Texas on the over too. Ooh. I got I got trolled for OSU or for OSU over. Got trolled for Texas. Uh, I was under. with you on the OSU one. Okay. Okay. No. No. Ever, no I, I, I got I'm trolled sure for Justin. All of us took the over on like every Big Twelve team. I got. And trolled we were for... sitting there like this isn't even mathematically possible, but <laughs> they're hitting the over. I got trolled for the really actually the worst take was Kansas State last. That was the worst take from Ty and I. Oh man, that, yeah, yeah mm. that was that was tough. Uh, that I did have Justin Fields good odds for the Heisman, and he was the closest one. So, oh lord, no one said Burrow though. I think so. No, no, I don't no. even think he was oh, on the radar. No, no, no. no. that was what was it ten thousand plus ten thousand? It was odds. wild odds. So, anyways, I think that's our, that's our pod. You want yeah, to wrap it up? It's for so, an hour and a half. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I don't think it's that. It's no, not it's an, hour an hour. It's only an hour. No, yeah, it's that not. was an hour. That, that's a good pod. That's a clean pod. So yeah, keep out on the lookout for that bull pick'em pod. Uh, if you want to sign up for the bull pick'em challenge, uh, you probably are. If you're a listener, we'll you clearly you clearly know me enough to uh, just contact me. Contact me uh, at bhoward47 at Schooner Blog wherever you know where to find us. Uh, check us out on social media. We have nothing going on, but it's going to. We're going to pop up some good content no, eventually. Yeah, we'll start putting. Yeah, we'll start putting up content. Get off our asses. Do good shit. So, anyways, for me, Jameson, and Ty, um, I'm Bobby. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs> <laughs> Boomer Sooner. <laughs>